baptism weekend. That is August 2nd. Yes. Our favorite weekend around here, so you don't want to miss it. Facebook, if you're out there and you can make it, you do want to be here. We get it if you can't. We'll have it live on Facebook, but there's nothing quite like baptism weekend. All right, so let's jump into week number two. Let me catch you up. The verse that we're talking about throughout this series is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So our goal for this series is to raise your standard and to raise your expectation to not just have it, but to be full of it and to be full of it so much so that you're overflowing with it. I want to challenge us to not just have some hope, not just have some joy, not just have some peace, but to be so full of it, we're overflowing. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, depending on Him, trusting Him, and raising our expectations of what we're willing to settle for. So I want to raise your expectations, but I felt led of my own desire to share this video one more time in case you missed it last week. Some of you are prepared. Uh, to share this one more time. So to set up what you're about to watch in case you weren't here last week, First off, I did get permission to share this video. He actually encouraged me to share it. He wanted it to go viral. It is not fake. I'd almost seen a guy fall out of the chair several times throughout the week, and then it finally happened, so I was way too excited for it to happen. So without further ado, last week's video, our youth pastor falling out of his chair in the office. Let's check it out. Let's just check out just the fall one more time. You can't, you got to see it twice. Okay. And then the roll afterwards is also a favorite. So I created a boomerang. Let's hit. Yeah, there it is. You can't not love what is taking place here. Uh, I didn't do this at the 10. 1130, for some reason, you guys enjoy the stretch more than than the 10 did. Like, y'all laughed hard just a minute ago when he stretched to check his back. So I guess we'll, we'll replay that one, too. Let's check out the stretch. Here it is. One more. All right. So in case anybody was wondering, there was no one injured in the making of this film. He is okay. He didn't even have to go to a chiropractor or get any sort of uh, doctor's appointments. Or at least we didn't pay for it if he did. So... Uh, in case you missed, in case you missed it last week, what took place is this man was so full of Chets, Chets hot dogs. Okay, if you've never had Chets, come on, we got some celebrations. They're delicious, so it makes makes sense that you'd be full of it. So full of Chets hot dogs, after he hit, boom, went out to the parking lot and threw up in the parking lot. Yes, that's gross, but it's a great illustration for how full of it you should be. Right? We should be so full of hope and joy and peace. So full that when life hits us, 
when life comes at us sideways, when the storm hits, that impact doesn't force us to get lost in the way of the world and the way that the anxiety of the world and the worry of the world. That impact should push out of us the thing that was in us all along. And that's because we're so full of hope and joy and peace. And so that's what we're trying to do is to be so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of joy and peace and hope that we're just like Taylor Otter buying full of chets and we vomit it out, right? Uh, so that's our goal. So we are going to take the example of Jesus and what it means to be full and what it, what it means to have joy in our life. Now, before we do that, there, there are two types of joy in Scripture. There's a, like, like the same way we would use joy. There's a circumstantial joy where something happens like, oh, we got a raise at work. Cool, you're, you have joy for that. You have gladness for that. And then there's a, a deeper joy that I want you to have. I want, I want you to have that joy, and God is going to give you those, those moments of joy throughout your life. But I want you to have joy despite those circumstances. And that's the joy we're really going to focus on today is a joy that's so deep, that so, we're so stuffed full of that Chet's joy, if you know what I'm talking about. We're so stuffed full that we can't help it overflow even when pressure hits. So let's see uh, the perspective Jesus has in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. See, at, at the outset of this, this scripture, it actually is kind of, it's kind of strange to think through a joy while also thinking through what the cross means, right? Our, our idea of a cross currently is this cool like necklace that we have or a nice tattoo that we have of a cross. It's a cool symbol of our freedom and what God has done. But the symbol that is in Scripture is the symbol of capital punishment. And not like, not now where we have like a quick lever that we pull with the electric chair or a quick injection of a fluid that kills us and hopefully isn't very painful. But like they went out of their way to make it as painful as possible. And Scripture is saying, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the most pain that the Roman government could think of. Like he endured what the, the Roman government wanted to shame you, wanted to make you look so bad and make it look so painful that no one else would do that crime. That no one else would even think about coming against the Roman government. That's what he was willing to endure because before him was set. There was something, some standard that was in place that said, this is worth it. And, and you know, for him, like we might want to be like, well, he's the son of God, so... Maybe he didn't really feel that pain. Maybe it wasn't that difficult. But we know from his prayer in the garden that he was worried about it. And he actually didn't want to have to do it. He actually didn't want to have to go through this pain if he didn't have to. Because in the garden he prays to God with, with the most stress you could possibly have. With, with physical ailments coming out of the stress and anxiety in the midst of that garden. He's praying, God, if there is any other way, let me do that. But if not, your will be done. Can you imagine... That the, the pain and the, and the anguish, knowing what you're about to go through, but saying, you know what? If it's your will, let's do it. If, it, if, it's, if it's worth it on the other side, I'm willing to go through it. Now, that sounds absurd, except for we do it. We do that even with, let's, let's admit, take God out of the picture. Humans will do that today, currently. And what I mean, and even John chapter 16 uses this as an illustration. Jesus uses this as an illustration of childbirth. For many of you, you have decided that you wanted to have a kid. And you know that it's going to be painful, right? And you did it anyways. Because there was a joy on the other side that was worth it to you. 
right? Now, let some of you, I've got people in here that's already had four of them, right? <laughs> let me just, all right. My wife has two. If it were up to men, the population would not have survived. If, if, we're, if you're ever wondering if we would have made it through, if, if humanity would survive, no. You could have got us once, right? One time, you could have tricked us. Like, oh, it can't be that bad. I'm going to try it. And see, two people come together. There becomes one kid. The, the population gets reduced in half every single time because the second time, you're like, not, nope, not going to happen. Not going to get me. Not going to do it. My wife went through it once, right? And it was not easy. Like, she had preeclampsia, so we had to take, the, take Joni four weeks early. We were terrified. I was scared. I was worried. She was in pain. They had to give her medicine. So it wasn't just the childbirth. She had flu-like symptoms. In the midst of it, it was as miserable as, as I can imagine. And I didn't even have to go through it. It was miserable for me. It was so miserable for me. I was like, listen, if you don't want to do that again, I, I don't need my genetics on this planet anyway, right? We can adopt... We can do foster care. I ain't scared of none of that. You know what my wife said? No, I want to do it again. I want to have another. I want to go through that. I, listen, the, on the scale of pain, it's, they say that if your femur snapping in half is, is the worst of the worst. Childbirth, second. You women do it more than once, most, quite a bit actually. I've got one in here that's done it four times. Four times by choice. Not like, whoops, oh, again, oops, oh, no, again. No, like, chose to do, you go through the pain because on the other side, there might be a joy. You go through this pain, and you know what that's like. And so that's the kind of joy that I want you to get. The kind of joy that says, no matter what I have to go through, on the other side, there's a set. On the other side, there is something set. Like, there is this, the, the best illustration I can have is, is like a beacon or a lighthouse for you. That no matter what storm comes up on my journey, that's where I'm going. That, that, that no matter what pain I have to go through, some of y'all are crazy enough not to have an epidural. Some of y'all do it at home with a midwife because you done lost your mind. And I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm like, listen, if you don't take the epidural, I'll take it over here because I ain't doing this. That's the kind of joy on the other side of it, that you'll do whatever it takes to get there. Whatever you think's best to get to that lighthouse, to that beacon, You'll, you'll put your rudder in place, you'll put your sails up, and you'll take this ship through whatever storm, because on the other side, you know it's going to be worth it. You know on the other side it's worth it. And this is what is worth it on the other side, and it might sound strange at first. It's found in John chapter 10, or John chapter 15, verse 10. It says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right? He's, he's saying, I don't want you to just have joy. I want it to be full joy. I want it to be complete joy, wholeness of joy inside of you. And he's the, the reason I want you to, the, the way that you get that, the way that it's going to happen in your life is if you follow my commands. If you listen to what God, the Heavenly Father is saying, if you listen to him, it's going to be complete. You're going to have real joy and it's going to be worth it on the other side. But okay, let me address a couple things. First off, the other side is I'm not just talking about heaven. Okay, that's important, but we don't really need to have all of this if we're just waiting to heaven. We, don't, we just need to survive. That's all we have to do. We don't have to have complete joy for heaven because when we get there, we're going to have it. So I'm not really talking about heaven, even though heaven's the ultimate goal and heaven's going to be released of all the pain, all the sorrow. I'm talking about in this life, that kind of joy. I'm talking about in this life, that kind of complete joy because we follow his commands. 
The second thing I want to address is how strange that kind of is, right? Like that, it's kind of like a, 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 an unhealthy relation. If you have on, on earth someone that tells you, if you'll listen to me, I know you love me. It's probably not a healthy dynamic, right? Like that's, I've told my wife that and she doesn't believe me. Like if you'll just do what I tell you to do, I know you love me. She, it's not healthy. And I wish she would still listen to me, though. But it's not healthy, right? That's not a, it's not a healthy dynamic where my love uh, for, for a person is conditional on whether or not they obey me. That sounds strange on earth. And that sounds strange in a human relationship. That's just like a side bonus teaching if you have a relationship where their love is conditional on you following their commands. Not healthy. But in this context, in the context of the God of the universe, it's different, right? It, it's different. It, I know that you are... Uh, putting me in the correct position in your life because you know who I am and you know who I've called you to be is what God is saying. When you listen to my commands, you're acknowledging with your actions that I am the God of the universe, which some of us know that but don't listen to his commands. And the more important thing I want you to grasp is not only is he the God of the universe, but I know that you love me and you care about me enough that I should listen to your commands. That's the part that's sometimes hard to grasp. That, that, that the love of, for God is shown by our commands because it acknowledges that not only does He exist, but He's good. That I can trust Him with my life. That I don't have to try to figure things out and get all the details right and be perfect. That I can just follow His commands because He's figured it out for me. Because He knows what's best for me because I trust Him. That's why it's a different dynamic than an unhealthy earthly relationship. Is because I, I want you to put me in the position that I'm called to be in in your life. Otherwise, it's not healthy. It doesn't make sense. You have to be able to follow his commands. And on the other side of that, the other side of that is the joy you're looking for. The joy that that goes beyond circumstances. The joy that goes beyond situation. The joy in which you have it deep and overflowing. Like you've got all that joy where you can lay your head down at night. You say, you know what? Not everything's perfect. I'm working on stuff because we don't reach perfection on this side of heaven. I'm still working on some things. But man, I know God's got my back. And I know he's going to work it out. Like that, that, that kind of joy that's deep down like, oh, everything hit the fan. You know what I'm talking about. All the stuff hit the fan. You know what I'm saying? All of it. Hit the fan. The room's a mess because all that stuff hit the fan and it slung it everywhere. The room stinks. Everything's terrible. But God's going to clean this up for me and it's going to be taken care of. That's the kind of joy that I'm talking about. Like, nah, I, I, you, COVID, yeah, I know God's going to use it. He didn't plan it. He's going to use it for Amen. something to bring out the church in a better position Amen. because I know who my God is. Because I'm going to lay my head down and trust the creator of the universe and trust that he's good and he's got good plans in store. I can trust him yeah. no matter what the storm is. So as we process through this, what I want to challenge you to see no matter the storm and no matter the cause of the storm, you can trust him. So let's talk through causes of the storm, right? My goal would be that no matter what storm comes your way, you still have a deep and overflowing joy. No matter the storm. So if that's you and you're processing through the storms of your life, uh, we can talk through a couple that that exist and why they exist. Uh, One of them that can happen is you actually are going to a storm because God led you there. That's not as common as other storms, but it's possible. There, there are times in Scripture where God said, hey, let's go to the other side of this, of this lake. And the disciples took the boat right in the middle of a storm. And in that storm, you're like, I don't know why we're doing this, but 
you, you, I know I was supposed to be here, so wherever you're at, I got you. And that's the storm where Jesus is walking on water. And Peter's like, if that's you, let me walk with you. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because he knew where he was, he was, where he was supposed to be. So all he has to do is listen to the voice of the one who led him there. That's one type of storm. That you can assess, like, why am I here? What happened? What's going on? Okay, that, I, I'm good. I'm following his voice. I'm going to do it. And listen, in the middle of these storms, you may not see the lighthouse. Sometimes in the middle of the storm, it's so bad, you have no idea really where you're at. You just know your last set direction. And some of those storms, the one where you can't see him at all, and he doesn't come walking by on water, some of those storms are caused by Satan. I fully believe this because it happens in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18, Paul doesn't blame God's will. Paul doesn't blame his own mistakes. He says, I wanted to come to you. He's talking to the, the whole church of Thessalonica. He says, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. So there's the, the possibility that the storms in your life might exist because Satan is trying to destroy you and destroy the things around you. See, I know that my, my Bible says that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, and God came that I might have life. And so there are situations in which I recognize Satan's trying to mess things up. Uh, I, the, the, the things that are going on in my marriage, we're working, we're fighting, and Satan's trying to attack. I recognize the things that are going on in my family, Satan is trying to attack. The finances, the things that are breaking down in my house start to not make sense and start to not add up. You start to assess things and like, oh, Satan's trying to block some good things from happening. Like there, There's a storm in which that's true. The, the, the last storm is actually the most common of all the storms. And the last storm is the one that Jonah went through. If you, if you remember the story of Jonah in the well, it's a very common Bible story. Jonah is trying to get away from the call of God on his life. Right? right? So in the other two storms, I'm trying to get to God and either like he's led me there or Satan's bringing the storm and I can't see the, the lighthouse. And the, the other storm possibly is you got yourself there. That's the most common. That you, that you got yourself in the middle of a bad thing. Like you, you knew months ago that you should have saw a counselor to talk to somebody about your marriage and get things healthy, but now it's starting to get really bad and you should have done something. You know the storm is your fault in this moment, in this season, because you should have done something about it. You knew months ago that the, the finances were going a different direction. You kept buying stuff you didn't need and the church was offering something with Dave Ramsey and you could have got out of debt, but then you didn't take it. Now you're like in a really bad spot and you're like, ugh, I can't pay rent tomorrow. Okay, this storm is my fault. I got here on my own. There, there's, no matter what that storm is in all those scenarios, most of them are in, end up being our fault, right? If we're honest, most of them. There are, there are the other two scenarios. Most of them are our fault. But no matter what, if you're willing to turn and look towards the beacon, the hope, the set, this is what my God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his promise. See, even the hope is this, and the, the joy that I hope you, you recognize is that even when it's your fault, even when you know you messed up, if you will turn that rudder back around, find the beacon, the hope, the joy, the commands he's called you to, the, the, the life he's called you to, and turn that direction, he'll work it out so it looks like it was his plan all along. You'll look back and be like, that was a terrible relationship I got myself into, but I learned so much through it. That must have been God's will. And God's like, ooh, don't blame that on me. You dated that guy on your own. I tried to stop you, and you didn't listen, right? Like, 
That debt I got into taught me how to trust God with my finances, taught me how to tithe, taught me how to give above and beyond that, taught me how to give and to love God well and taught him to trust and to get out of me like, God must have planned me being in debt. God's like, no, no, no. I sent you Dave Ramsey. I sent you preachers. I sent you people in your family that had better finances than you to teach you things and you didn't listen. That's on you, but I still used it, right? The, the, the joy is that no matter what the storm is, if I put my, 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 my pointer towards the beacon, towards the lighthouse, towards that nice, calm harbor that God has called me to be in, the direction He's called me to, I can go, you know what, He'll work it out. Yeah. It was my fault. Like, at some point, we've got to admit it. There's, there's Scripture that lets us know we need to repent and turn direction back to God. So I messed up. My bad. I was stupid. God, fix it for me. Help me. And He says, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get you. All that stuff, all of it, all the bad stuff, I'll work it out so it looks like it was my plan all along. Like it was the direction I was planning on taking you. And you'll look, and God's like, no, I didn't do that. You did that to yourself, but I'll still get you to the right spot. It'll still look like it was me all along. All the turmoil, all the pain, all the destruction, every attack of Satan. He'll turn it and he'll work it out for your good. It'll be something that leads you to the hope and the joy and the peace that's overflowing. If you'll turn to him and let him have it. Now, there's, a, there's another danger that actually exists inside of this idea of the lighthouse. And Sometimes in church, as I've seen growing up, sometimes in church, I've seen people do better in the middle of turmoil and in the storms. If you've grown up in church, you might recognize this too. If people are going through it, like they're having a hard time in their finances, or their marriage is falling apart, their kids start acting crazy, whatever storm is going on, they run to the church. And they start showing up. I mean, they're here every Sunday. They're faithful. They're in their small group. They're just like, how do I serve? Man, God's so good. He's doing some stuff in my life. I was so messed up. And he fixed some things. And I've seen this, this situation in the church world where like, they, they were set. Like, they, had, they knew what, what the call of God was on their life. They knew the direction they were called to go. They knew how important showing up to church was and reading their Bible and worshiping and being faithful and all of those things. They knew what it was. And then things started going good, right? Like in the boat analogy, the sky started clearing up. There wasn't no storms. And they were like, oh, God, there you are. I see that beacon. Hallelujah. Hey, there's a bird. Oh, my goodness. There's another island that I haven't discovered yet. I should go over there. Right? They, they know, like, you saw what God was doing. But the skies were so clear and the seas were so calm. It was like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should work extra on Sunday. I don't have to show up. And maybe I don't need my small group as much as I thought. Maybe I don't have to give a full full tithe to God, even though I committed two years ago, maybe I can turn my ship, just get a little distracted. Maybe I can shift and go just a little bit of the wrong direction. And sometimes the danger isn't the storm. Sometimes the danger is the clear skies. Sometimes the danger is when everything's going well. Yeah. Sometimes it's all going just right and you're distracted by the things of this world. And what I need you to know is that that joy, that hope, that peace that's, that's the lighthouse in the harbor is greater than the storm, for sure. And it's greater than anything this life has to offer. It's greater than... The, the, that call, that beacon, again, is the call of God on your life. And I recognize this. Some of you are in the like, I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. You, I, that beacon isn't necessarily the end destination for you. It's not necessarily like, oh, I'm called to be a worship pastor. Oh, I'm called to start a business. Or, oh, I'm called to be a stay-at-home mom. You may not know that yet. You may only know, you know what? I need to show up to church consistently. That's the last thing God told me to do. That's enough. That's enough to steer your rudder, put your flags up or your, your sails up, head in the right direction. 
Just whatever that call is, stay steady to the call, the last call that you know God put you on. Stay in that direction. Even in the clear skies, head in the direction He's called you to so that you can get there. So you don't necessarily need to have the end destination. But what I can promise you is this, is that that destination, to know that God is good and He's got your best in mind and that you're heading that direction is greater than anything this world has to offer. And I, I, I feel like I can say that because I feel like I've experienced, for me personally, my own desires, the best that the world has to offer. And I mean that because uh, if I were left to my own devices and Jesus wasn't real and I didn't believe in God and all that stuff, I would just want to travel. And I would want to go travel wherever I could, all the time, see new places, do whatever I want, you know, all the fun stuff. And I had a, I had a period where I got to do that. And I wasn't running from God at that season, but God enabled me to go and experience those things. And I was... I, was, I would spend three months in Costa Rica. I would be in Costa Rica seven to nine times out of the year, which really sounds great right now in the midst of COVID. Uh, I got in 2009, I'd saved up money and was able to travel for three months in Europe and saw some of the, the most amazing cities. I got to see Rome, which was cool, and get some historical context of what's going on in the Bible. I mean, it was a period where it was like, this is the coolest things that I could ever do in my life. Like that, Those are the things that are bucket list things for me, and I got to experience them. And I remember for one specific time, I'm on a bus, and I, the night before, we were sitting in the hot springs that were warmed by an active volcano in Costa Rica, and at night, it had a pyroclastic flow, so you would see, which is like lava, but it's just a fancy term, and I wasn't allowed to say lava because that was a guy, anyways, the whole, the whole thing. So you would basically see lava, what looked like lava, coming down an active, conical-looking volcano in the hot springs, just chilling. This is messed up, I'm telling you about my travels in the midst of COVID where you can't go nowhere. And I remember, and then we're driving a bus the next day and I'm seeing like the most beautiful scenery that I think exists in the world. And I remember thinking, none of this is as good. Like I'm listening to worship and I'm thinking, none of this is as good as knowing God and knowing who he's called me to be. Amen. None of this compares to any of that. And, and I hope that you get to a place where you realize that. Hopefully you don't have to experience all the good things to realize it's as great. But I want you to know if you haven't, it's, it's a facade. It's good in the moment. It's temporary joy. It's temporary happiness. But in the end, when you lay your head down at night, if you're not following Jesus, it will leave you wanting. It will leave you with a desire for something more. And it will be missing. And you'll wonder, why am I not happy? And we've seen it over and over and over and over again. The people that we've idolized, that we think they've got everything, everything this world could have to offer over and over again. You'll hear an interview. You'll see what they do with their life. You'll see how they handle their life. And they're miserable because nothing in this world will satisfy except for knowing that you're following a God who loves you and has your best interest in mind. That's the only thing that satisfies on this earth. And so for you, wherever you're at, I pray that you would find the joy that resides so deep that it brings you to overflowing. Wherever you're at, if you're in a place where you're in any one of those four positions, you've lost your focus because life's been not that bad, you've been in the midst of a storm, whichever position you've been in, if you're in the midst of a storm or you've just lost your focus, I want to challenge you today to refocus back to the lighthouse. Re shift and recognize the only thing good is God. The only direction that's good is His direction in my life. The only thing that will satisfy is to know that the God of the universe sent His Son for my sins and that he's worth following.